So we're beginning a new series this morning, and the series is called um, Knowing Your Yes. And the idea of this series, we're going to be on it for five weeks. What if we could help you make better decisions about what you say yes to and what you say no to? What if we could help you be like 25% better in saying yes to the right things and no to the right things? What, what if after five weeks of listening to teaching, you were 25% better as a parent, as a spouse, as a co-worker, as a follower of Jesus? What if you were better at that? You see, because uh, uh, we're not all great at making yes-no decisions, and you, you're aware of that. Um, uh, what if when they call and say, hey, would you coach soccer... You said yes and realized all the no's that that meant. That meant uh, you will not have time to play with your spouse or to help your spouse. I'm not even going to recapture that one. (laughs) What if when they called and said, do you want the new job that includes travel? What if you thought about all the no's? No, I will not be available to tuck the kids into bed some evenings, and I'll need to miss some soccer, and I'll need to miss some concerts. And you thought about it clearly so that you could make the best possible decision. Or um, what if when you chose to be, and I, I wrote this down so carefully, an at-home, non-workplace working parent. Did you see what I did there? <laughs> All parents work. But what if you're a non-workplace parent, a stay-at-home parent, but you still work? But then you have to realize that comes with some no's for most of us. Um, I'm not going to have as much money as my neighbors, maybe, who make a different choice. And so we need to be clear about this. Um, and the more effective we can be at making yes-no decisions, the, the more healthy and better followers of Christ and parents will be. Now, some of us err on the side of saying yes too often. And we don't think about the no's that are down the road. And some of us say no too easily, and we miss opportunities. Here's another thing. Some of our yeses are huge. Have you ever thought about how huge some of the yeses are? When you stand in front of a church... One day, and you look at that future husband and wife and you say, yes, I promise to be your husband or wife as long as we both shall live. Did you think of all the no's that is? I wrote down a few. Um, It's a huge decision. No, I will not allow myself to fall in love with someone else tomorrow. No, I will not put myself in a position where I might compromise this commitment. No, I will not quit working on our marriage when it gets hard. No, I will not always get my own way. That one yes means tons of no's. And, and how about the thought like, is it time for us to have kids? Oh my goodness, talk about no's. I mean, we could spend the whole day on this. Do you realize how many? No, I will not have as much time for hobbies and sports. Think of those parents who are up here doing the baptism. Uh, no, my future, my furniture in my home will not be as clean and as organized as I had hoped. No, I will not have as much time or money for vacations. No, I will not have the same amount of leisure. No, I will not be the center of my world anymore. And no, I will not get a full night's sleep for several years. 
right? When you say yes, it comes with some no's. Uh, this idea that we need to be thoughtful and strategic when we say yes is very biblical. Remember before Christmas, we did the series in the book of James? And in James chapter 4, he said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't add a single thing to it. Don't swear by anything. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Then remember when Jesus uh, first uh, invited his disciples to follow him on the beach? Remember, like he just walked up to Peter and James and he said, hey, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And the Bible says immediately they left their nets. Immediately with their actions, they said yes. And that changed their whole lives. And many of you have said that yes to following Christ. And it changes everything. It changes our schedule, our priorities, our allegiances, the way we spend our money, the way we raise our kids, what we do on Sunday mornings. When we say we're going to follow Christ, there are a lot of implications, and it's one of the biggest decisions we'll ever make. Now remember, after Jesus was arrested, Peter, who had said yes three years before, the servant girl came up to him, and he said, hey, do you know Jesus? I think you're one of his disciples. And three times in a row, uh, Peter said, no, I do not even know the man. No, no, no. And then Jesus was arrested and he was killed on a cross and he came back to life. And uh, 20 or 30 or 40 days later, he's with Peter before he's ascended to heaven. And uh, he's with Peter. And what does he say? He says, Peter, I have a question for you. Let me put up the scripture. When they had finished eating there on the beach, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt by now. Because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Yes, and Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said, so interesting. He went back to three years before when he had been standing with him when he first met him and said, come follow me. And he says, three years later, he says, follow me again. Sometimes our yeses need to be said multiple times. They need to be said deeply multiple times. And that's what happened with Peter here. Over three years, he had to say, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus lots of times. And then before Jesus went to heaven, he had to say yes three more times. And then it sank in. Some of you, as you're facing significant yes decisions, need to like be willing and able to say those multiple times. Because each time we say it, it gets deeper. Yes, I'm going to love my spouse. Yes, I'm going to sacrifice for my spouse. Yes, I'm going to love my spouse. Yes, I'm going to do what's best for my spouse. We need to say those more deeply over and over. Today, I want to help us understand. This is my assignment in this series. Today, I want to help us understand that knowing ourselves well and where we are in our season of life plays an important role in making those decisions. 
Did you ever notice how important it is for you to figure out who you are in order to know what to say yes to and what to say no to? Examples are everywhere. So I'm coaching Jeff Mickey, one of our senior leaders, and Jeff's a great guy, and he's a learner, and he loves learning. And he says to me a few weeks ago, he says, or maybe a couple months ago, he says, Dave, Dave should I take an un, uh, online course from this university because I want to learn some new things about this topic? And here's what's crazy. I could coach Jeff to say yes, even though I know I could never do an online course. Right? What's yes for one person is no for another. How do I know I could never do an online course? Well, the last one I took from a university, I paid for it three times and never finished it. (laughs) They have these deals like you have a certain amount of just amount of time you can take these things in, you know, and they give you plenty of time. So I paid the first time and I started and I never got done. So then they send me an email and say for paying the full price again, you can have that much time. So I took it a second time. Didn't do a thing. Then I got the next email where it said, if you want to pay the full price again, you can have this much more time, which I did. I've never finished the course. I could say to Jeff, Jeff, I'm not taking an online course ever again, but it's a good idea for you. See how it goes. Or here's another example. You've got to know yourself. So I'm downstairs working in our basement on a project. And my, my, my wife is up in the kitchen and she'll yell down, Dave. When you're done with the project, why don't you go over to the refrigerator and carry up a gallon of milk? Because in Lynn's mind, and for who she is, that makes perfect sense. It's efficient. It's like when you're coming up, just simply go over, open the refrigerator. I have to say to her, because I know myself, no. I will not do that. There's not one chance in a million that when I'm done with this project, I will remember the milk. Not one chance in a million. And so what do I do? I say, yes, Lynn. I drop my project. I go to the refrigerator. I get the milk. I carry it upstairs. And in her head, she's thinking, that's not very efficient. But you have to know yourself, right? It's important to know how you operate and who you are and how you were made by God. Uh, A friend of mine who is my son's father-in-law, Hank, Uh, He's amazing in his strengths and gifts in the area of carpentry. In fact, two of my children have father-in-laws who are amazing. I mean, they could both run construction companies. I mean, they are like geniuses when it comes to like building houses and doing kitchens and doing sidings and all this. Uh, Hank and Chuck. So if my kids would ever call me and say, Dave, could you help with the kitchen? I ought to be smart enough to say no. Call Hank or Chuck. Not that my kids ever would call me to help. It's important that we know ourselves. It's important. And so um, where I'm going this morning is this idea that you and I have to be mindful of our human strengths, our spiritual gifts, our passions, and our season of life. And so um, let's talk a a bit about mindfulness. You know, colleges and universities, blogs and magazines, they're all writing about mindfulness right now. You can hardly go anywhere and somebody's not talking about, hey, let's be mindful. Well, mindfulness is so simple. We have a slide on this. Mindfulness is living on purpose in this present moment. That's all it means. It means, hey, I have a purpose for my life. I'm going to live that purpose out right now. Mindful, mindfulness. 
You can like get a graduate degree in mindfulness or something. But it's simply, it's that simple. Live on purpose right now. And so all I'm saying this morning, and this is way biblical, is that we need to be mindful of who we are in certain areas as we're making yes-no decisions. It's, it's really quite simple. And so um, uh, the first thing, we need to be mindful of who we are when we're making a better yes-no decision. Identify and understand your human strengths. Identify and understand your human strengths. Now, Gallup Research Firm has done a great job of naming 33 human strengths. And they've got some tests. You can go online, strengthfinders.com, and you can figure out what strengths. Now, what are these strengths? How do they work biblically? You remember these babies we just baptized? Every one of them is created in the image of God. And a part of that image of God is their strengths. So Genesis 1.27, we have a slide. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created these babies, these men and women, He created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. A part of the image of God is human strengths. And Gallup didn't do it perfect, I'm sure, but it's the best I've ever seen where you can like name your strengths and then as you operate out of those strengths, you can um, uh, be mindful of that and figure out uh, uh, what you should say yes or no to. So, for instance, uh, my strengths, according to Gallup, the names they've put on these God-given strengths are strategic, maximizer, arranger, activator, and responsibility. And a lot of you could name yours, and some of you have never even heard of this, and that's okay. But it's real important to understand, even as you raise these babies and you promise to raise them for Christ, these baptized babies, um, a part of what you're doing there is you're helping identify what are their strengths? What are the human strengths? This is common grace. Every baby born human is born in the image of God and every baby has common grace, has these strengths. So we've got to be mindful of the strengths you were born with. But then the Bible talks about something else, which is interesting, and people get these two mixed up. It says what you need to do is identify and understand your spiritual gifts. Now, followers of Christ, somewhere along the line, God takes some of your strengths and some of your um, innate abilities, and he creates what the Bible calls a spiritual gift. Listen to this, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, here's the verse. Uh, it says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And I just admit, for, for a long time as a church, we were uninformed until an elder came in and showed me this chapter. And an elder came in, Nancy Smith, and she said, Dave, what do you know about spiritual gifts? I said, nothing. I don't know nothing. She said, well, what about this verse that it says, don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts? I said, we better learn. And so uh, there's three places in the New Testament where it talks about these. And now if we jump down a couple verses to the next one, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So God puts in you a certain kind of spiritual gift. And how does this work? When you use a spiritual gift that God has energized... More happens than should. 
right? So if you have the gift of hospitality and you start being hospitable, more hospitality happens than if I tried to be hospitable because I don't have that gift. And so God takes that gift and almost like uh, super energizes it so that more happens. Um, there are... Uh, And then let's go to the next slide. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So he decides. He decides what your spiritual gifts are going to be. Alice Shirey is a good example of this. Alice is one of our teachers. And a number of years ago, she was teaching a little Sunday school class. And I noticed, and some others noticed, that when she taught... Fruit happened in people's lives. That when she actually said, hey, put a verse in your purse and like read it every day, like people did it. It's like they put a verse in their purse, they read it every day, it changed their lives, they started growing. We said, wow, we think Alice has the gift of teaching, the spiritual gift of teaching. When she stands up, stuff happens. So then we said we ought to get her in a bigger room. So, so Alice is not up because she's funny, although she is. She's not up because she makes sense, although she does. She's up because when she teaches, stuff happens in people's lives. That's a spiritual gift of teaching. Now, here's the crazy part. I do not have the spiritual gift of teaching. It's one of my lowest of all gifts. Well, what are you doing up there then? I have some different gifts. I have the gift of leadership and the gift of encouragement. And so I joke with our teaching team. When you leave the room when I'm up front, you haven't learned anything. You're just way encouraged and you have a direction. And when Alice is up front with the gift of teaching, you learn stuff. And that's why we need a team here. Because all of me, I mean, you got to learn some stuff sometime. Uh... But it doesn't hurt to be encouraged on a Sunday morning or to be led a little bit. And so when I'm up here, now a lot of you will come up afterwards and go, Dave, you're a good teacher. Well, I know I'm a teacher. I know I'm a good teacher. But it's like I'm working out of different gifts than the teaching gift. And so just uh, understand that. So and here's what we found about public school teachers who took uh, spiritual gifting classes. Most of them aren't working out of the gift of teaching. Most grade school teachers are working out of other gifts, encouragement, hospitality, creative communication. You go into some first grade kindergarten rooms and you just look around the room and you go, wow, this person has a gift. It's like amazing, the bulletin boards, the little craft corners. It's amazing. That's not the gift of teaching. They're teaching with the gift of creative communication. And so the more you can understand about this and the more you can know yourself and be mindful about this, the better decisions you're going to be able to make about um, when you should say yes and when you should say no. One more verse here. Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but many. So we need a church. We need a teaching team. You need a family with lots of different gifts and strengths. And that makes you more. Oh, one classic example here in the church. 
of uh, me and spiritual gifts is uh, we were next door to the church. We have a thing called the big house. It used to be like a place, a house the pastor lived in. And then we converted it to be a youth house until our youth groups got too big for it. And uh, my brother did it, started the project of converting it one summer, and he was our college director. And by fall, um, he was going back to be our college director, so it fell on me. Now, remember what I said about Hank and Chuck? Um, so the construction of the house fell on me. And so literally, I went over there day one knowing I have no carpentry gifts, no plumbing gifts, no electrical gifts, none. And I went over and I used my gifts. So the first thing I saw was this place is dirty, filthy, so I cleaned it up. Second thing I noticed was uh, the refrigerator was empty. There were no snacks or drinks in there. So I actually went to Hy-Vee, my second thing I ever did for the house, and I filled up a couple carts and I brought them to the refrigerator and I said, I made a sign for the front of the refrigerator, have a snack. Now, I'm supposed to be working on the house. <laughs> the next day, I started calling people who actually know this stuff. And I invited them over once, and, and they would all walk in. They all had the same response. Some of you are in this room. Uh, this is a big job. This is a mess. This is too much. This is going to be a failure. But then I was able, with my leadership and encouragement, to say, hey, could you do this one part? We need an exit door to the upstairs be- uh, bedroom, and we need some steps down. Could you do that one part? And first guy said, yeah, I can do that one part. I said, oh, and there's snacks in the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> and if you need any help, I'll recruit some grunt workers for you. And then we needed a deck with a, like a handicapped uh, ramp. So I called another one of our guys, and he was going, oh, this is too big, this is terrible, whatever. I said, could you do this one part? He said, yeah, I can do this one part. Oh, and there are snacks in the refrigerator. (laughs) Right? So I'm using my gifts to do the thing in the only way I can get it done, right? Are you with me on this? So that's why it's so important when you say yes or say no that you're thoughtful about, um, mindful about who you are. Uh, the third thing I want to mention, identify and understand your passions. The simplest way for me to clarify passions for you real quickly is this. It's something you care more about than other people. Some of you care more about the environment than the rest of your family or me. Some of you care more about animals. My grandkids care more about animals by far than I do. Is that true, guys? Yes, it's absolutely true. They care more about animals than I do. And so they have a passion, some of them, for animals. God's creatures. Some of you have a passion for movies or sports. Um, My passion is a connected, loving family and healthy, impacting church. That's just two passions God's given me, and I'm still living those out. Uh, But to know what your passions are helps you also say yes and no in a better way. And then the fourth thing I just want to encourage you to be mindful about is identify and understand your season of life. Uh, The parents who carried the three up here, Doug didn't know how to get the baby. That's a season of life. And that needs to inform Yes, no decisions. Um, If you've got three or four or five toddlers around home, that's a season of life. 
Um, if you're walking with a very sick parent, that's a season of life. If, um, if you're in a time when your job is kind of vulnerable and you're not sure you're still going to have it in a week or a month or a year, that's a season of life. And so we need to take these seasons of life we're in and realize there might be another time in my life when yes would be the right answer. But because of my season of life right now, the answer I ought to give, even though I want to do it, is no. All kinds of things work into season of life. Like uh, my season of life, I was trying to describe it. I'm old. I'm cutting back from work. Um, I have... Uh, I think I, I, I wanted to get this right. Six of eight of my children live in my neighborhood. And half of my grandchildren live in my neighborhood. And we have, Lynn and I, have two aging parents who live in the Cedar Valley. So that's going to inform, I'm not going to travel as much. Right? I'm going to say no to travel a lot more because i got my grandkids and my kids and our parents, our remaining parents, all right here. Why would I be traveling a lot? And so um, uh, you've got a season of life that informs your yes, no. So five weeks helping you be thoughtful about yes, no decisions to honor Christ well, to follow God well. Um, and all I'm saying is be mindful of who you are, what your human strengths, spiritual gifts, passions, and season of life are. And if you'll be mindful of who you are, you'll make better decisions. And when Lynn says, can you bring up the milk when you're done with the project? You'll be able to say no. (laughs) I'll do it right now. Yes. Okay, let's pray. Uh, Father God, just a lot of stuff here. Uh, We pray that uh, we, first of all, that we would see that we follow you as we're a parent, as we're a co-worker, uh, as we're a spouse, uh, as we're a child. We follow you. Following you means we, we do all of those things as best we can in your way. So, Father, help us make uh, really good yes-no decisions. Help us get better at it. Help us make yes-no decisions guilt-free. Help us uh, make them uh, being mindful of who we are. And now, Father, as we sing these last two songs, could we be mindful right in this moment of who you are? In Jesus' name, amen.